Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we are joined by the Justin Schenk. Good morning to you, Justin. Good morning, man. Pete, thank you so much for having me, dude. I'm excited about this conversation. Listen, it's absolutely awesome to have you on. I am slightly honored by your success, your podcast, everything else. And listen, it's, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to learn a lot here too. So I'm absolutely honored to have you on. So thank you. Thank you most of all. So that's awesome. So Justin, give us, tell us, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Yeah, man. So I, I live in a, a small town. Actually, we, we just became the fourth largest city in Pennsylvania. I live right outside of a, a town called Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, what am I? I am a podcaster, really. That's that's really the, the basis of everything that I do. Because without the podcast that I started five and a half years ago, I wouldn't have the businesses. I wouldn't have the speaking. I wouldn't have the events. And so I always like to say I'm, I'm a podcaster first and foremost, but I'm an entrepreneur, a speaker, uh, a growth coach. And, and my, my goal in life is to help high performers find fulfillment in their life because I find most people chase goals and then they go get that goal and they feel really, really empty. Um, and so my job is to help individuals find fulfillment in this crazy journey we call life with the ups and downs and everything in between. And so that's a little bit about me in, in a very, very quick snippet of, an, of a, a snapshot. But um, I'm sure we're going to get into all the details. No, that's cool. That's cool. Really cool. Five and a half years. What happened? Was this a turning point or was this just a, an epiphany for you? What happened? You know, for the idea of the podcast was not the turning point of the epiphany. Um, from a young age, about 19, I, I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I liked the idea of freedom. Um, and what I found out later was I, I wanted to try and prove people wrong. I wanted to try and prove people wrong that said, you know, because of the circumstances in which you came from, you can't become successful. Um, and so I had this crazy chase and journey of three failed businesses in my young life. And so the, the original idea with the podcast was... I wanted to start a podcast to interview entrepreneurs so I could figure out how to do it better because clearly I was doing something wrong. And that was the original idea behind it. It was a great, obviously, tool to connect with whoever I really wanted to. Um, but what ended up happening was six months before I launched the podcast, my mom lost a 20-year battle to opioids. And it was in that moment that everything changed in my life. I realized that's that was the moment I realized I was chasing things versus chasing happiness versus trying to figure out how to enjoy this process of life. Um, that was the moment where I realized that um, there are so many people in this world who think that their rock bottom moment is the end. Um, my mom included, because my mom didn't die from a, a drug addiction. My mom died because she didn't love herself. My mom died because she didn't feel like there was hope. And so what ended up happening was organically the show, once I launched it, I started having these deep conversations with these high performers of their rock bottom moments and how they were able to overcome and how they were able to find hope in those moments. Um, and so, yes, it was a turning point, but it was not a planned turning point. Um, and so really the first couple of years of the podcast were, it was me trying to figure out my own way. It was me trying to find 
happiness. It was me trying to find self-love. It was me trying to find all those things. Um, and so if you go back early on into my podcast, uh, you'll, you'll see that all those questions were really for me. Uh, and then, and now, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a place where obviously I'm still growing. I still have my flaws and my faults and everything else in between. Um, but now the, the show is a little bit more about the broader audience and, and how we can help them with their journey and, and their process. Mm. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing, I suppose, 10,000 foot view of your life now. I suppose you get to look back, you've, you know, self-reflection on your own thing. And really, I mean, for you, like, do you think really your voids that were at the time became your values? I mean, is that, you know, because of the things you went in your life that you, you find you sort of went off on these, asking these questions, searching, is it the two go hand in hand, do you think, or was it more your calling? Um, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, I think a little bit of both, right? I think we're given the pains in our life uh, as an opportunity for to find our calling, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times our purpose is, is found in those rock bottom moments. Uh, I had to go through what I went through in order to do what I'm doing now, right? Obviously, a lot of people ask me all the time, you know, how do I find my purpose? How do I find why I'm here? And, the, and I always say a good place to start is to figure out what, what skills or things that you've been through that you can go turn around and help other people. That's a good place to start. Um, and so to answer your question, it wasn't a void in my life because I had a lot of great things in my life, even though there was those rock bottom moments and, and those tough things. And, and there's more to the story and we'll get into that, I'm sure. But, you know, as I look at that, it was, it was my calling, but I had to go through those things as a child into my young adulthood uh, in order to become the person I am today. That's what a lot of people miss, right? They, they get into a victim stance of like, why did this happen to me? Mm. Um, and so a good friend of mine, Ed Milet says all the time, uh, life is happening for me, not to me. And if we can switch into that mindset of understanding that life is happening for me, everything changes our perspective, you know, uh, why are these things, you know, why are these things happening for me around me, all the changes, all the downfalls, all the things, whether it be COVID or whether it be whatever, or why is this happening for me? It changes the perspective and our actions can take place after that. Hmm. Do you, do you believe you are where you're supposed to be now? Yeah. I think that we're always where we are supposed to be, uh, no matter what's happening, right. Whether it's a lesson at all times, hmm. um, you know, uh, I don't, I, the one thing I always, I never want to present to anybody is I don't live a perfect life, right? Like there's definitely downfalls. There's definitely moments of struggle and stress and anxiety and, oh my gosh, what's this, that, you know, I, I host retreats and I host events and I just invested a lot of money in a big building. And then I went on to invest, you know, for this event and you go, okay, now there's anxiety and there's stress. Um, but I think that at any given moment, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Uh, a lot of that is based off of yesterday's actions. Um, so therefore, if we have that mindset of like, we are, we are where we are supposed to be based off of our actions previously, then we are, we can go to where we want to be based off of our actions today. And so, yes, to answer your question, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be um, because that's how life works, right? We have to enjoy this process and this journey um, every single step of the way. And in terms then, and, and I'm just curious, do you, do you visualize in terms of the future, in terms of what's coming down the line, in terms of manifestation, are you clear in that? Or are you very much guided by what's going on around you and, and responding to the now as such? Great question. And the answer is yes. Uh, I do both. Uh, I'm, I actually have a daily visualization practice that I do um, in order for me to connect my emotions to where I want to be. Sometimes it's a small visualization, like right? Like when I was 
taking a walk to it today, I visualize this interview. How do I want to show up? Who do I want to be? What's it going to be like? Who, how am I trying to make an impact to the people that are listening? Um, sometimes it's a broader picture of, Hey, I, I host this live event. I have a large, big vision down the road to host it in front of 6,000 people. I know what the arena looks like. I know what the speakers look like. I know what it sounds like, smells like. I know what it's going to be like when my family hugs me, when I walk off the stage. Uh, and so, yes, I, I visualize, but at the same time, I understand that I can't control everything. Hmm. All I can control, all I can control is myself and the actions that I take. Right. So there are moments where pivots happen. There are moments where change happens. Um, and that's okay. Right. Like as long as we have a vision and a direction, like I look at a goal as just, you have a direction and where you're going. Um, for me, my life could end right now, right? Like a die of a heart attack or whatever, God forbid. Um, but if that could happen. And I know that in that moment I'm fulfilled and that's really the important part. And so if an opportunity arises that might steer me a little bit away from my vision, but it feels good and I can make the impact that I want to make, I'll say yes. And might delay the big vision. Um, but that big vision keeps me going, but I say yes to things that make me feel good. If that makes sense. Mm. And in terms of, if you were to sort of almost visualize the, your, your true self and who you are today, are they one and the same? Are you in alignment with yourself as such? Cause when you, the start, you mentioned this, you know, the story and this journey you've been on and obviously well, it, it sounds like, you know, you sort of, as we do, we all sort of slightly drift off the path for a while. I mean, are you back there? Are you back in one in yourself or is that an ongoing process? Do you think? I think it's an ongoing process because we're constantly growing, right? My podcast is called the growth now movement because there's constant growth in our life. Um, but for this very moment, I am, I am who I'm supposed to be. Now, when my mom passed away, um, that's when I really went off course. Although I found that purpose and that vision in that moment where I said, oh, wow, life is so much more. I went on a three month bender where I was blackout drunk five, six nights a week. Um, and obviously had to do a lot of inner work with spiritual coaches and, and coaches to help me work through those, those moments and, and to get past that. Um, but yeah, man, I, you know, I think that I am exactly who I'm supposed to be. Is there a higher version of myself? Well, sure. Uh, and if you want to go deep spiritually, we can talk about that too, where through Reiki sessions, I've been able to connect with that individual <laughs> of my higher self and, and all those things. Right. And so with that being said, um, we are all in a journey. Hmm. My life, my story, my journey isn't over yet. I believe um, by the end of my life, I'll be exactly where I'm supposed to be whenever that happens. Um, and that's because I, I focus on constant growth and constant evolution and constantly trying to have that 1% growth every single day. So therefore I can help other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like the thing is, so there's a lot of people who go through a lot of pain and strife and suffering in their life. And everybody has a story, right? Like you, you had mentioned, I think before you hit record, like everybody has a story. And it is your story. And I really believe that. And so the one part that's missing, a lot of people go through that pain. They want to help others, but they're not, they stop helping themselves. And so they're pouring from an empty cup. And so I make sure in order to become my best self as the world evolves and, and I evolve, um, I make sure I pour into my cup first. And what's in my cup is for me and what overflows is for everybody else. Um, and so that's, that's probably been my biggest shift as far as like making sure I'm in alignment is to make sure I take care of myself first. Mm -hmm. and, and do people around you get that? I mean, do, do, do people get you first of all, and do they understand your journey and your passion, and your drive? Yeah, man. You know, I, it's a real, you know, it's so funny that you asked that question. Um, because I, I've been able to build this great podcast and this following and these live events and I go speak and people wait in lines to talk to me after I speak. Um, and th there's an odd sense of like, do I deserve 
this, right? Um, and the, that odd sense of like those limiting beliefs of like, who am I to do this? Who am I to do whatever, right? And, and limiting beliefs are something that we all encounter at every level. And I have, I have friends who are billionaires, by the way, and they have limiting beliefs and they, 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 can't, they don't believe they can do a certain thing, whether it be in their relationships or their wellness or their spirituality, they have limiting beliefs. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's those moments of like shock and awe, right? Um, but I always tie everything to that greater purpose. Why am I doing this? Um, and, and for me, it's to impact millions of lives, to help them understand that it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters of the choices you make today to create a better tomorrow for yourself in the world. And when I look at that, I go, I have to keep showing up, even in those moments of questioning myself. Um, and so, yeah, man, I think I, I really connect. Like I have people... Uh, it's, it's really weird to say out loud, but I have people that are willing to go to the ends of the earth and back for me. Um, and so that's kind of the way that I look at, like, do people understand what I'm doing? Yeah. I mean, I see it every day with the constant growth in my business and my events and my podcast. Um, uh, something's hitting on all cylinders. Right. And that's just me leaning in hundred percent and being real and authentic with who I am and where I'm going. Mm. Well, it's, it's, it's amazing to have that support network, I think is, is super key. And you, you mentioned voices and it's always an interesting one, you know, how is the inner dialogue? Do you talk to yourself a lot? Do you have to talk yourself down a lot? You know, how is your, you know, cause you mentioned that you go for walks and there's a lot of, a lot of activities you do, um, you know, talk to us about your inner voices. Yeah, dude, that's a good question. I, lo I love that question. Um, I think for me, because of what, I, what I went through as a, a kid, I, I think it's a lot of, um, it's a constant work for me to uh, constantly make sure that inner voice is, is headed in the right direction. There are moments where I beat myself up. Um, but overall, I think I've gotten a million times better than I used to be. I used to constantly beat myself up. I used to constantly say, you're not enough. You're not this, you're not whatever. Um, and so for me, you know, it is a constant, still a constant work and it, and it always will be. Um, but I, again, I'm lucky enough to have surrounded myself with the right people to, uh, help me on that process and that journey and see, and continue to see my worth and continue to get better as I step into a bigger role. And I look at like, we're constantly trying to step into a bigger role in our lives, most people. Um, and so as you're willing to do that, you have to do that inner work. You have to do that meditation. You have to switch that inner voice. Um, and so, yeah, man, that's a really good question. I think, uh, it's not always perfect is the answer. And, you know, as quickly as I, I could possibly say it, it's not always perfect, um, but it's a lot better than it used to be. And as I grow, it'll constantly get better and, and bigger and brighter. Uh, and, and hopefully my light will continue to shine, you know, largely all over the world. Oh, that's very, very cool. So tell me, well, what does fire in the belly mean to you then? You know, I think for me, Fire, the fire in your belly is the thing that gets you up to continuously make an impact in the world, right? Like when we talk business as entrepreneurs, we go ROI, right? Return on investment. But what's important for me is ROI, return on impact. Uh, and so the fire in the belly for me is to continuously wake up to make the larger impact in the world, um, to truly save lives. I've had people reach out to me and say, because of your podcast, I decided not to take my life. And that's the impact I want to continuously make. And so that's the fire in my belly to constantly show up every single week on my podcast to mm. hopefully deliver in the way that I'm supposed to on your podcast and, and everybody else's. And as I speak on stages, um, the fire in my belly is to constantly uh, go, how do I make a, a greater impact? Um, and part of that too, by the way, is to continuously be a better me, 
right? The fire, I have to be a better me in order to make a larger impact. And so the fire in my belly is all based around impact, but sometimes it is, Hey, I got to do some stuff for me. I got to make sure I'm in check. Uh, and I have some daily habits that I do every single day. And if you want, I can share them. Um, but I have daily habits every single day that I make sure that I'm in check and that I'm, I'm in flow and I'm serving myself first. Hmm. Well, if you would, I mean, please, I'd be, I'd be grateful to, you know, if you share your habits and, and what works for you. Yeah, man. So I'll start with this. I, I, on my podcast, I ask every single person this question. Um, and that is, it's a two-part question. The first part is in your, what do you consider, uh, what's your definition of success? Sorry. Uh, and the second part is what are three things you do every single day to ensure that success for yourself? Somebody asked me a couple of years into the podcast, what's the common theme behind all these top performers? And I didn't really know right off the top of my head, um, but I went back and I looked and I was like, you know what? It, it wasn't their definition of success. It wasn't their journey. It wasn't any of that things. But I realized the three things they did every single day to ensure their success was take care of themselves first. Hmm. And so I had this bright light aha moment in my life where I went, holy crap, I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not making sure that I am happy, that I am fit, that I am in good relationships, all these things. Right. And so I decided to start to implement things that served me every single day. I mentioned one of them already, right? I, I take a three mile walk every single morning. Um, that's one thing. So I move my body. I get my body moving. It's, it's good for my wellness. It's good for my head. I also do that with my girlfriend. So it's also good for our relationship to, you know, it's our daily meeting. It's our daily check-in. How are you? What can I do for you? All those types of things. Number two, I, I, I visualize every day. I mentioned that as well. So that's another daily habit of mine. And there's two ways that I do it. One is more of a meditation type of visualization where I sit down and in quiet and peace and close my eyes and visualize. But then I also, at times when I'm driving or even in my office, I'll pump music um, as I'm visualizing to, to bring in more of that emotion. And, and one thing I always say is like, if you're not tying your visualizations to your emotions where you can feel it and it's really real, then you're not going to get the results you need because the actions don't happen. Uh, and so sometimes music helps me with that. Third thing, I learn something new every single day, whether it's from a book, a podcast, a YouTube, whatever. I learn something new every single day. And number four, I reach out to somebody I care about every single day and let them know that I'm thinking about them. Whether it's I know they're going through something and I check in or it's just, hey, man, what's thinking about you? Uh, hope you're well, blah, blah, blah. Um, and a lot of people go, well, Justin, that fourth thing seems like it's not for you. It's for them. Um, but the fact that I know that I can be a friend to people I care about uh, is it fills my cup dramatically. And so those are the four things I ensure that I do every single day. It's not about waking up early. It's not about the patterns. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about what are the check marks that serve you every single day? That happens to be mine. And, uh, and I encourage every single person to find what their things are that are the non-negotiables uh, that are going to fill their cup. And, and that was such a game changer for me um, because like I said earlier, man, I was trying to pour from an empty cup um, and it just wasn't working. I was exhausted. I was out of shape. I was tired, all these things. Um, and once I started to implement this thing, that's when I had massive shifts in my life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so strong. And it actually reminds me, there's a guest, and I think they ended up doing a Ted talk on it, but they talked about, you know, going deep, not white, you know, and the whole thing is you can have whatever 5,000 friends on Facebook, but actually if you can stay in contact with five deep contact, proper contact, then you'll have a, you know, a much more fulfilling connection and relationship. So I love that. I'm really, really so quite impactful. Where, where's your flow state, Justin? Where, where would we find you in your element, your, your sort of moment of creativity, if you like? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Like I, I get asked questions all the time about creativity and, and, and years ago, I would have told you I'm not a creative person. 
Um, but, but the reality is my, my, my creativity comes any moment that I can find peace alone. Uh, I don't know if you have children, but, but my girlfriend has two kids that we all, we all live together. Um, and it's tough to sometimes find that peace and that quiet and that alone time. Um, <laughs> but I, but honestly, like if people ask about flow state all the time with me and like, when are you flowing? When are you this number one? It's, it's, uh, I, I do have to be alone when it happens, um, to sit down and, and, the genius begins to flow in any way. And by the way, I, I very lightly use the term genius. Um, but, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, also the flows, the real true flow state for me happens in human connection. Um, because a lot of times people ask about flow state of like, when are you producing your content and your creativity and all these things? Um, so I would say alone time from that standpoint, but my true flow state in my own life is human connection. And it's that one-on-one -on -one connection, that deep conversation um, that I've been able to create for my podcast, which is another reason I think that my show takes off and why your show does so well is that deep connection and that 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 human, that true human conversation, right? Um, that's the flow state for me. Like I found that I'm a really, really good interviewer, but it's because I'm very, very curious. Uh, my dear friend Dolph Barron, who I would consider him a genius. My real friend Dolph Barron says all the time, stay curious, my friend, stay curious. Um, and I believe that my flow state comes from being the most interested person in any room that I can be in. And that's when I can absorb information and connect on a deep level. So to answer your question in a two-part format, um, the flow state when I'm creating is when I, whenever I find time alone and I have no distractions and my phone's over there and whatever. Um, and, but my true flow state is as my human connection of why I'm here is for that human connection on a deep level to answer that question in two parts. And do you find when you are connecting with people, does that automatically almost take you into that state as well? And, and you almost set in their space. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, dude. And so, so, so yes and no. And the reason I answer it that way is that I'm an empath. Um, it's okay. very, very easy for me to absorb other people's emotions, uh, other people's uh, hardships and, and all those other things in between. But I've also done the work with some coaches in my life to be able to block that out. Um, and so I, I, I used to, unfortunately, carry other people's burdens all the time. Um, and so I can very easily fall into their state in a negative or positive way. But I found out through my journey and through my coach with my coaches that an empath's true power isn't emphasizing for somebody's emotions and then carrying that emotion. It's the fact that we can actually control the, the, the emotion of a room. We can walk into a room and control the whole room. And so that's a, a superpower. Right. So I can walk in and feel on top of the world. And hopefully every single person in that room feels on top of the world. Um, and so what I try and do when I'm connecting with somebody on a deep level is to make them feel super important, to make them understand that what they have to say and what they've been through really, really matters. And I think that's what people want. Right. Like people want to feel wanted. People want to feel important. People want to feel like they matter. Um, and so my goal in those moments of, of human connection is to make them feel like their story, their journey, their life uh, is worthy of greatness, is worthy to take them to the next level and their sadness is justified. Um, and, and I say that last part because something that I was told one time, I was going through some stuff uh, and I was having a conversation with my coach and I was angry about something. And she's like, how are you feeling right now? And I go, I'm, I'm angry, I'm pissed. And her response was, and you're allowed to be but you just can't be an asshole is what's the follow-up to that. But the first part of that is you're allowed to be angry. That was the first time I got permission in my life to be anything other than happy. 
And I think it's important for people to understand that no matter what emotion they're feeling in this moment, it's okay. Um, you have, uh, you have the same right to be sad as you do to be happy. You have the same right to be angry as you do to be happy, but just don't live in one of those emotions for too long. Um, and so I've gone off onto a tangent because human connection to me is super important. Um, but I want people that are listening to this to understand that however you're feeling in this moment, it's okay. Mm. Um, uh, I just, I just ask that you do the work to, uh, get out of that state. If it's a, a sad state. Do you think that's almost like a core value or soul value, you know, connecting with each other and, and loving with each other? Dude, I, I think that it's, and it's become more and more obvious through COVID as they have shut down the world and you can't see people and you can't connect to people. Human connection, we're, we're I mean, innately, we need human connection in our life. Hmm. Um, whether whether it's a, a quick hello and a hug or a deep conversation, we need that as human beings. Like without that, we're in trouble. We are in deep, deep trouble um, on so many levels. And so, yeah, man, I think that's an, that's a necessity. That's not even a core value. That's a necessity for every single person, right? Like you look at these individuals who, uh, you know, the greatness of their marriage for, for 60 years, right? They're 97 years old. They've been married for 60, 70 years. Um, and one's in good health and the other's not. And the one passes away. And weeks later, the other one who's in perfectly good health passes away. That shows you how powerful human connection can be, right? You can literally die from a broken heart. Um, so human connection is, is something that we need 100% of the time. Um, and, you know, I, I encourage anybody to do whatever you can to get beyond the Zoom calls uh, and connect with individuals one-on-one -on -one and, and be in their space and share energy and love and all those things, man. It's, it's something that's needed. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And, and for yourself, I mean, are you in a position of saying, you know, that you like yourself and you love yourself? Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, again, that's been, that's been part of the journey, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's been part of the process and that's been part of the healing and that's been part of all the things, you know, um, a lot of my life, I had abandonment issues and always afraid that I was never enough for somebody to stick around. But what I realized was that's, that's my own internal struggle, right? Like that's been my whole thing of like, I need it to feel worthy of. Um, and so my narrative is switched from that standpoint. At first I was afraid of losing people. I was afraid of people leaving me. But now the narrative is, I love you in my space. I love you being a part of my life. But if you leave, I'm going to be perfectly fine. Hmm. Um, and that's why self-love is so important. That's why understanding your worth is so important. Um, that was a battle for battle, a real battle for me for a very, very long time. Um, but I've been fortunate enough again to be, I, I learned self-awareness at a very, very young age. Um, and so understanding self-awareness at a young age, um, I've been able to go, okay, I need to fix this. What do I need to do to fix this? And that's, I mean, it's been therapy, it's been coaches, it's been all the things, uh, to continuously put in the work, uh, to, to really overcome those demons that we all have in our head. And for you, I mean, is, is it, you know, when did that change come for you in terms of that being able to say, I love myself and this is where, you know, I'm good with me. What was the turning point for you there? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's been, a, it, was, it, it was a number of things. There wasn't one moment where I was like, okay, I, you wake up and, oh, I love myself. Right. There are still moments where I go, oh man, that could be better. Uh, this could be better. I could lose a little bit of weight. I could do this. I could, ah, oh, man, that could have been a little bit better. I wish I was, I wish I had better hair. 
um, you know, what, whatever the case may be. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, it, it was, a, it was a progression, right. With coaches and some, I've, I did some trauma healing with energy work and stuff like that. Um, and so it was a, it was a process. And I think most people at any given moment, unless you're narcissist level, you, you're going to question yourself. You're going to go, um, wait, wait, hold on. Right. Like, Oh wait, what about that? Or I wish my eyebrows looked different or whatever. Um, I wish I could be like that, but I think it's the quick adjustment of coming back to no, I am who I'm supposed to be. Like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm headed down the path of where I'm supposed to go. Um, and that is enough and I am enough. Um, and so again, our minds are funny, right? Fight or flight. And they're going to take us down certain paths and we're going to go, Oh gosh, here we go. But we have to be able to make that quick adjustment because it's human nature to fall down the wrong path. It's human nature to start thinking badly. It's human nature to whatever. Um, but it's you as a person that can make the choice to re realign and reconnect and go, no, I am powerful. I am enough. I am wealthy. I am good looking. I am whatever. Um, and so you have to be able to make that constant adjustment in your life. I mean, the, uh, the element of actual um, mindset talk, inner talk, et cetera, seems to be huge for you, really. There isn't, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of internal work goes on. Well, that's what I'm picking up. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Yeah, man. You know, I think, it's, I think it should be huge for everybody. Hmm. Um, that's all part, it's all part of the journey. In order for me to, again, give to others, I have to make sure my cup is full. And mm. so there is constantly, not con I don't want to say constantly. I, I, I know how to relax. Trust me. I know how to have a good time. Um, but at the same time, there's that constant, like I need to, you know, what, okay, what's next, mm. you know, like, how do I continuously improve? What kind, what kinds of things can I do to be a little bit better for myself, to be a little bit better for other people? Um, and so the inner work is, is constant, right? Our minds don't shut off. Um, that's just, we have like, what is it? Like we have 50,000 thoughts a day. Like, think about that. 50,000 thoughts a day. Um, uh, the follow-up to that is, would be how many of those thoughts are going to bettering yourself? How many of those thoughts are you telling you, you love yourself? Very rarely do those positive things come from our random thoughts throughout the day. Um, and so I think we just have to be really intentional about how we think and how we speak to ourselves, right? Like right off the bat, you started talking to me about self-talk and, um, all these things, right? Like, I don't do the mantra things where people look in. I, I tried to do that a couple of years ago where you look in the mirror, you're like, you are great. You are what? And like, that doesn't work for me. I feel goofy. Um, but it is that constant like readjustment and through whatever, whether it be through meditation or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that we have to constantly make sure that our minds are working at a deep level. And I mean, I, I find that awesome. I mean, and really, I, I suppose my question do you, have you been this person before? Does that make sense? So, I mean, as a child, were you ever allowed to be the best version of you? You know, and is this, is this you returning to purest form? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I think this is me at my purest form. I don't know if I was ever that person uh, in this lifetime, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not that I wasn't allowed to be. Um, at least outwardly, my parents encouraged me to do whatever it is I wanted to do, to go after my dreams, to go after my goals. Um, but there's this thing called generational trauma that unfortunately, unknowingly, parents pass this on to their children. And my grandparents, both sets of them, passed this trauma on to my parents. 
And my parents unknowingly and not wanting to, but tried to pass it on to myself and my sisters. Um, and I am the person who had to do the work to break that generational trauma, um, to break that generational, the generational habits of the, the bad mental talk and the, you know, the not worthiness and all these other things. And I did it in a very dramatic form, by the way, I, I ended up not speaking to my father for seven and a half years. Um, but by the way, we're very close now as the best man at his wedding, et cetera. But I had to do that in order to break the trauma that was passed on. And so my parents encouraged me a hundred percent to do the crazy things. I think that's why I do the crazy things now. Like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to have an event where people are going to come from all over the country and uh, they're going to come because I'm speaking on a stage. Obviously I have other great speakers as well, but um, you know, I, I think uh, anybody goes through life uh, and they get some sort of trauma, right? I had mentioned before my friend Dov Barron. So he is actually a, a lack of a better term. He doesn't call himself this, but he's a mindset coach to essentially billionaires. And he'll sit down with them and say, you know, what was missing from your childhood? And they go, nothing was wrong with my childhood. It was great. It was wonderful. And they go on the defense and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say it wasn't great. And wonderful. I just asked what was missing. And I think that sometimes we look back and we feel guilty for saying that I, I, I didn't have something in my childhood, but the reality is something was missing for you. Whether you're super successful now or you're, or you're happy now, or you're sad now or whatever, that's the trauma, the thing that was missing. And so I encourage that individual to give themselves that thing that was missing. Um, and so, uh, again, the longest answer to your question, because your, your question, by the way, your questions are phenomenal uh, and they're super deep. And I want to acknowledge that really quick. But 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 with that being said, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I am my purest self now for exactly who I'm supposed to be now. And I'm 100 percent accepting of that. Do I have goals and aspirations and want to be better and, and do? Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Um, but I, again, I have billionaire friends who want to do better and be better and do the things right. Or people, or people who are happy family men who want to be better and do better and, and do all the things. Um, but I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be in this very moment. Uh, and this is the person I'm supposed to be in, in its purest form. Hmm. Out of interest, have you, have you been here before? Do you think? On this planet? In this form, soul, body, previous life? Next life. Well, well, not in this body. This body is a new body. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all energy, and energy is forever and flowing. Um, and so, yeah, man, you know, I, I've I've gone down the path of of discovering some of that for myself. Um, I do know for like, if look, I believe in past lives, uh, not necessarily reincarnation, um, but I believe in past lives in a form. And so, with that being said. Yes, I was here before in a, in not in the same role, but in a very similar role um, of speaking a word that people need to hear, mm. um, which will soon become a written word again. In a past life, it was a written word. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I think that um, it's a very similar energy, but in a different world that is needed uh, in a different way now to answer that question and in a very you know, we, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go, but like, yeah, man. So to answer your question, yeah, like it's, I've, I've been in a, a similar role before. Um, and I believe that even my past lives have set me up for, you know, where I am, where I am today. Mm. No, it's, it's, I mean, I, I find it, I find that fascinating, you know, I really do. And, and just that, that connection, because 
what comes across as you speak is, you know, you're, and even I suppose your your evolution. You're saying you've tried a lot of things, you know, from you know trauma and going through all that. I mean, is that part of it? Do you think you know where you just lay it on the line and go, I need, I'll take input, I'll take input from wherever I can get it. Is it is that a, is that something that you sign up to? Is this you know, reaching out and and sort of seeking for what's around you? It's a good question. Um, yes and no. I make sure that I take that information from the from people that I can trust. I wouldn't go to somebody who's been divorced three times and ask him relationship stuff, right? I wouldn't go to somebody who's broke and ask him about uh, investing information. Um, and so I'm, I, I was a terrible student as a child, right? Like part of the story we didn't get into is I had a 1.7 GPA at one point in high school. Um, and so it was a terrible stu- student. I didn't want to learn. I didn't care about what I was learning. Um, but now as an adult, I've become the ultimate student. Mm-hmm. Um, because I understand that there is no, there, there is no perfection, right. But there is better, there is evolution, there is growth. Um, and so by making sure I surround myself with the right people, um, that changes the game, right. We all have limiting beliefs. We, we talked a little bit about it before. Um, I've developed a three-step process to overcome limiting beliefs that is very, very simple, but not easy. So the first step is you have to get uncomfortable. You have to do something to get yourself out of your comfort zone. The second thing is surround yourself with the right people. And that's where the important part comes in, right? Like if you're, you know, if you're going, going and doing something uncomfortable that pushes you a little bit, you need to make sure you have the right people to support that idea and that system. And I'm, by the way, I'm going to give a real life example of this in a second. Um, and then the third thing is take action because nothing works unless you do, right? So you have to take the action, right? I love the idea of manifestation and visualization, but the reality is none of that crap's going to become real unless you take the action. Why do I tie my visualizations into my emotions? Because the action becomes easier when I already know what it's going to feel like, if that makes sense. So these, this three-step process. So the end of 2020, just like most people in the world, COVID got me, bro. I stopped working out. I gained weight. I was drinking. I was eating like crap. I was supporting my local restaurants by getting takeout all the time, doing all these things, right? Um, and at the end of 2020, I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then I also realized this has been a lifelong battle for me. Gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain more weight, lose more weight. Um, And I go, why can't I figure this out? Right. I look at the four pillars of what I've designed in life, business, relationships, wellness, and spirituality. Those are the four pillars that if you can find a way to find balance in those four things, you can find fulfillment. And I go business. Cool. That I, I can figure that out. I'm doing okay. Um, relationships. I have the best relationships a man could ever ask for. Um, you know, spirituality, I am constantly diving deeper into spirituality. Dude, if you asked me about past lives a year ago, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Um, and so spirituality is a journey that I'm constantly on. And I think that's something that you can't ever arrive on. Mm. Um, uh, but, but that spirituality pillar, by the way, I, I just want to make this clear. People get weird when they hear the word spirituality. Um, and so here's how I frame it. The first step to understanding spirituality is that we have to agree or you have to understand that there's something more powerful than you. You are not the center of the universe, right? Somebody created this and there's something more powerful, whether you call it God, source, Allah, mother nature, energy, whatever, there's something more powerful. Number two, there's an energy that flows around us constantly. We are energy. This desk is energy, your energy, whatever. And so we have the, the goal within connecting spiritually is to make sure that that energy is flowing with you instead of against you. 
Um, and so that's kind of that pillar. That's it. Two steps. Boom. Done. That's spirituality to me. And then number four was the wellness piece. And I go, why can't I figure out this wellness thing? Right? Like, why can't I just get it right? And I kind of was sitting there at the end of 2020 and I was like, I got to figure this out, man. There's got to be some sort of trauma. There's got to be something that I don't know. And it took me back to when I was 12 years old. And so, uh, when I was younger, I broke both my hips. And so when I broke my, but after like the fourth surgery that I had, the doctor looked at me and goes, well, you'll never be an athlete. And that embedded into the back of my brain. And that is what has continuously made me self-sabotage over and over again, my wellness, because I'll never be better than what that, that moment I got to. And then I self-sabotage and gain the weight again. And so I figured that out and I was like, cool, I'm going to overcome this limiting belief. And so not step one, I got uncomfortable. I dedicated myself to something called 75 hard, uh, which is created by a guy named Andy Frisella, which is 75 days straight of two 45 minute workouts a day, one outside, um, a gallon of water, 10 pages of a book, a progress photo every single day and no, uh, no cheat meals. Right. So follow a diet plan, no cheat meals for 75 days. So I got uncomfortable. Number two, I surrounded myself with the right people. My girlfriend did it with me, right? So she was my support system. Uh, and I, I jokingly say every day, the first day I was like, babe, I'm an athlete. That's what I said to her out loud, you know, that first day. And she goes, yeah, you are. And I go, cool. And now I know I'm surrounded by the right people. Uh, and then number three, I took action. I went and I freaking did it. Like I literally crushed it in 75 days. Um, and I got in the best shape of my life. And so those are the types of things we can do to overcome these limiting beliefs to prove to ourselves that those limiting beliefs, wherever they come from, and they can come from multiple places, we can overcome them. And so, so yeah, man, I think that, you know, uh, we can do anything we want to really overcome these limiting beliefs. It just takes a little bit of work. Wow. That's, that's dedication and, and belief in yourself really, isn't it as well, though, to actually do that for you? For sure. Um, but a lot of times it's that action that makes you believe in yourself. We have to take that uncomfortable action before we actually believe it. Right. Like, um, I, I was speaking at an event one day and, and, uh, where was I Montana and I was speaking at an event in Montana and there was about 250 young professionals in this, in this room. And I did Q and a after my talk and the one girl stood up and she said, how are you, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Like, do you ever have imposter syndrome? Um, and I kind of looked at her and I go, of course, like, I think, I think most people, not all people, but most people go, okay, whoa, what's happening right now? Like, am I deserving of this? This is crazy. Cause I've, I've had a lot of cool things happen to me. Um, and the reality is I just said, or I go, I do. And I overcome it by just showing up. Right. Like I, I tie everything I do to my purpose. And so, so yeah, man, I think, um, I, I just constantly show up no matter what it is. And so we have to show up for ourselves as well. Uh, and showing up to me is taking action, by the way. Uh, I think that's the part that people miss. They think that they need to be, you know, they need to be the athlete before they take the athletic training, right? Or they need to be, that's not how it works. You have mm. to do that work first. And you might not believe in yourself, but show up. Show up every single day uh, and you're going to see the results. And all of a sudden you're going to go, oh, wait, hold on. You're going to look back and be like, wow, I can do this. I am this person. I've always been this person. I just had to take the action. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely those question marks of like, you know, am I, can I be that person for sure? But then you do the work and you go, wait, I am that person. I'm already that person. I've been that person. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think taking action is really the key to, to overcoming a lot of that thought process. I mean, if, if someone else was to just 
describe your, you know, your five sort of success traits, what, what would they be for you? Well, that's a question I didn't expect. Uh, if somebody else were to describe my five success, say, ask that again, your five success traits. So someone else was describing you saying he is Justin does this is that, or whatever way you frame it. Yeah. Um, Justin, my success trait. I mean, I would say, uh, Justin is somebody who is constantly vulnerable, authentic, driven, empathetic, and happy. I think, I think happiness is contagious. And I know that's a really random thing to throw in at the end because the other ones were aggressive. Um, but the fifth one of happiness, Mm. um, I think happiness is contagious. And if you can find a way to be the person with a true authentic smile in the room, you're going to win every day. People are going to want to be around you. People are going to want to follow you. People are going to want to be a part of what you want that you're whatever you're building or want to build. Um, and so I, I would say those five things would be, um, at least what's viewed on the outside as far as, uh, you know, my success traits. Mm. No, that's, that's, that's a lovely, lovely way to be. And tell me, would you, would you, you know, would you classify yourself as being proud of yourself? Are you proud of what you've achieved? And do you classify yourself as successful? Yeah. I mean, I'm successful, um, because I live the life that I want to live. Not, not from the, like, I'm, I mean, I, I'm fine, you know, uh, from that standpoint, but I, I don't like people who, who frame success from like the outward wins, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, so I think for me, I, I, I live the life that I want to live and I'm constantly making the impact that I want to make. Right. Obviously can it always be better for sure. Um, but again, if I died today, I'm fulfilled, I'm successful. Um, and so, so yeah, man, I think, I think I am, I mean, yes. Yeah. There's nothing other than, yeah, I am that I am successful. And, um, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask yourself is who were you before the world told you who you should be? I think it's a super deep question because society constantly says you need to, I mean, how many only courses and coaches says I'm going to help you get to seven figures. I'm going to help you get the house, the car, the airplane. Um, all these things, the abs, all, whatever, whatever it is, right. I'm going to help you get that. But who were you before the world inundated you with that propaganda? Who were you before all of that stuff, right? Go back to that person. Um, I think what I'm doing now as a podcaster to use that, I mean, I know I do a lot, but to the, the podcasting in general, for me to be inquisitive, for me to uh, be interested in other people's lives and journeys, that's who I always was. As a child, I, I always wanted to know people's stories, right? Like I had this teacher um, in fourth, fourth or fifth grade who one day she wore, this is no joke. I don't even know why I'm telling this story. She wore a rug as a skirt to school one day. <laughs> So I immediately, of course, every kid was like, that's weird. Why is she wearing literally a rug? Like literally like a floor rug that was Bobby pinned together. And I was like, why are you wearing a rug? Like, why are you wearing a rug as a skirt? And she said, because my daughter uh, enjoys fashion and she dresses me every morning. And I was intrigued even at a young age to be like, wow, that's an interesting way to live your life. 
I would, by the way, I would never let a child dress me. I think that's a little off kilter, um, but who am I to judge? Right. And so she allowed that to happen. And, and that was intriguing to me. Um, and so when I look at before the world said, Hey, Justin, in order to show other people, you're successful, you need the car, the house, the, the woman, whatever. Right. Um, I, I said, what, what's going to, what's going to make me happy. And it was being that inquisitive human being. My, some of my happiest moments in my life are sitting down and having the conversations I get to have in my podcast with people that I've admired for so long. Um, and so I think people should ask themselves that question more often mm-hmm. because we chase these crazy goals, but for what, here's the thing, man, I encourage every single person to go out there and bust their hump and go become a millionaire. I do. I want you to, if that's, if that's what you want, I want you to have that, mm-hmm. but here's what I guarantee you. The second you get to a million dollars, you're going to go, how do I make 10 million? There's no fulfillment in that. Sure. You can do fun things with a million dollars. You can go on trips and have hop on a yacht and, you know, do dumb stuff and whatever. Um, but there's no fulfillment in that. And so that is why I am passionate about helping high performers really find that fulfillment in their life because they've busted their hump their whole entire life to have quote unquote success. And they get there and they go, now what? Now what? Um, And so I'd rather go, I want you to go, I don't need a now what? Sure, I have goals and I have aspirations and I have all these things and I want to go get them, but I want you to be happy along the way. Because why, why, why be happy at 68 years old when you finally make your goal? It's too late. Enjoy it at 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. Like I, like, I don't understand that. And so, so yeah, man, I think that as long as I'm living in that moment and understanding that I am that person I was, I'm living as that person I was before the world told me I should be, that's success to me as well. Uh, and that's fulfillment. Um, and so, yeah, man, I think that uh, I'm, I'm super happy to, to be able to live the life that I live because I made that shift in my life. Mm. What what would you say is, I mean, what's the, the nicest thing somebody could say about you? This is a little bit more broad than the actual question, but I, I, I would love for people, I guess it, this answers the question. You know, I, I would love for people to say about me, I left a better person after knowing him than I was before. Hmm. I think that that's such a powerful statement. Um, because it means that I added value. Mm-hmm. It means I made an impact. And by the way, adding value can be as simple as I listened. Could be as simple as I had a, a beer with a buddy and we had a good time. Could be as simple as whatever. Um, and so I think for me, it was for people to say, you know, Justin was such a great person that I left a better person after knowing him than before. It's powerful, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there a particularly proud moment that stands out in your life? And then is there a particularly dark moment that stands out in your life? Because I'm interested, earlier you talked about almost contrast, and that seems to be a, a trait of successful people, you know, to know the, the light, you've got to see the dark or vice versa. Yeah, man, I think, I think the proud moment in my life, um, man, I'm... <laughs> I'm proud a lot. So that's a hard, that's, <laughs> that's so, that's hard for me to, uh, cause I could say, look, I'm, I'm proud that I've been able to, um, do the work I had to do in order to get, have the amazing partner that I have in life, the, the amazing girlfriend that I have. Cool. Um, 
but honestly, if I had to think about a moment in 2019, Growth Now Movement Live, which was the first live event I did, um, I, I came out on that stage to start the event. It was like nine in the morning, 8.30 in the morning, something like that. And I, I ran up onto the stage and it was the loudest I've ever heard a room. And there's probably like probably about 160 people there, I think. So it was a smaller event, but still pretty big for a first event. Most people do about 20 people at the first event. And it was the loudest I ever heard a room and people were on their feet. And I think I'm actually getting chills thinking about it. So yeah, here's my, this is my answer. Um, that's probably my proudest moment. And, and that's my proudest moment because um, not because people were cheering for me. Like, of course that was cool. Like that was really cool. Um, but it was my proudest moment because I saw the impact that I was making. Hmm. I saw the lives that I've touched, whether it was people I'd never met before or people from my hometown that I've known forever. Who, I mean, it was a mix of people in the room, but to go, whoa, these people are, are literally cheering. Um, and even if it was just because they were proud of me, like that, that was a cool, I'm proud of myself moment. Um, uh, now the dark side, I mean, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is, you know, when my mom passed away and I went on, on that three month bender of being blackout drunk all the time, like, dude, I don't even remember that part of my life. Like, that's how I was. Like, it was literally like, let me get through the, I still had a day job at the time. So it's like, let me get through this job so I can go find a drink. Um, and then I would drink until I went to bed, uh, every night for well, six to seven nights a week, um, for about three months. And that was probably my, my lowest, darkest moment. Um, but again, to understand that even before that, I began to set up the process of surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, and that's why I was able to get out of it was because I, I set up the right support system of individuals around me um, to help me wake up. And do because when you're doing it, when you're in it, um, you don't realize what you're actually doing. Cause I'm, I was still just Justin and I was just, I was just going, having a good time or going and having a drink, but you didn't even realize it. Right. Um, and so be making sure that I surrounded myself with the right people, that's why I got out of it, but that would probably be my darkest moment in my life from my own personal choices. Are you, are you clear about your mother's choices? What do you mean? Well, really, I suppose with the opioids and all, do you do you understand? You know, have you ever had the ability or the clarity to to understand why that was for her? Yeah, you know, I think um, I've done a lot of soul searching on that and a lot of work, and and uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, addiction is a funny thing, right? It could start very simply. Uh, I mean. Tens of thousands of people die every single year, if not more, if not a hundred thousand plus every year of, of opioid addictions, because it can start as a simple, oh, I hurt my back. Here's an opioid. I mean, after the first pill, you can become addicted after the first pill. Um, now with my mom, it continued because she didn't love herself. It's because she didn't see her worth. She didn't understand that even though life was tough right now, it could, she didn't see that it could get better. Um, and so that's why for her, that's why it ended um, mm. for her. That's why for 20, I mean, she battled this stuff for 20 years, man. Like this, is, if, if not longer, we knew about it for 20 years. Um, and so when you're in a moment in your life where you need to numb out your pain, um, when you need to escape who you are, that's not a good place to be. Um, you know, but, but, you know, the crazy thing is my mom losing her life 
was the catalyst for everything that I'm doing now. And I think that's the example that your rock bottom moment is your jumping off point into what you're supposed to be in this life. It's not the end. And you're going to continuously hit those rock bottom moments in your life until you realize that. And one of two things is going to happen. It's going to be your jumping off point to greatness, or it's going to be the end of your life, period. And my mom and, and me are the, the two examples of that. My mom's rock bottom moment was the end of her life. My rock bottom moment was the catalyst for greatness. And so, so yeah, man, to answer that question in a roundabout way, I mean, you know, she, she battled because she didn't love herself. And so if we could figure out how to find, again, fulfillment in the moment, in this journey, uh, we're going to win because look, my mom had the addiction and, and on the outside, her life wasn't great. Like people saw it and were like, well, Lynn's going through some stuff. That's not good. Um, you know, divorce and losing jobs and doing like all these things. Right. I had a dear friend named Tommy page who in the nineties was a pop star. It was a number one, had a number one hit, did all the things was on the show full house. Um, then when I became friends with him, um, he was like a, a massively high up in the record industry for Warner brother records and had all the success and was happily married and had children and he took his own life. So it's an internal battle. When somebody says, this is my rock bottom moment, sometimes it's not on the outside, right? It's that internal battle. Um, and so we have to do that inner work in order to overcome those things. So, you know, we don't have to fall into those addictions or that, that suicide option or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's always interesting, isn't it? Cause I mean, that's, it's, it's almost like the opioids are almost the, uh, you know, they're the, they're the symptom, you know, mm -hmm. but the cause being, you know, really, I suppose it's, you know, the, the, the events that have triggered that, you know, it's, it's always, I don't know, I've, uh, it's interesting with a lot of things, how things are triggered differently to what, what we think they are necessarily, obviously. Yeah. 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 And, and again, it usually starts with something very, very simple, mm. right? Like, it, I mean, to go down the opioid trial, I highly recommend anybody and you, you as well. There's a, a documentary on Netflix called the pharmacist. Um, it's an interesting story into the opioid industry and how it's, it's really geared towards wanting to get people addicted and what people are willing to do, um, to go out and, and find the stuff. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really mind blowing. Like from my, my mom, Dr. Hopped, my mom worked in a pharmacy, by the way, this is how we found out she had an addiction. She worked in a pharmacy and she was, she got fired because she was stealing opioids. Um, and so it's an interesting trigger, but then there's a high, right? Like, you're, Oh, it's a symptom. Not always like, so, Oh, I've got a back pain, but then you like, then you enjoy the high, right? It's the same as alcohol or heroin or whatever you enjoy the high. And so you become addicted to that high and you want to keep getting it. Even if your back doesn't hurt anymore, you know, how do I keep getting this high? Um, and so, yeah, the, the opioid thing is a whole different conversation, man. Um, you know, the, the pharmaceutical industry and, and how it operates and all that stuff. But that's, that's, a, that's a different podcast in itself. Mm, I can imagine. So bring us back really to, to where, so I mean, that, that really, that starting point for you five and a half years ago, podcast was there. You were curious, you were, you know, just wanting to learn more. Why podcasts? Why not? Right. Why not? do 50 other things what stood out for podcasting dude even as a young kid i always wanted to be i always wanted to inspire people um and i always thought that this process was going to be i was going to write a book 
Um, and then everybody's going to buy the book because I'm, I'm awesome. And then they would hire me to speak and I can go speak on stages. By the way, it didn't happen that way. I still don't have a book. I'm working on it now. So keep an eye out for that in 2022. But, um, with that being said, the, <laughs> so the podcast was because I was like, I could do that. Right. I always jokingly say, I don't have a face for video. So I do have a face for radio and I could do this. I could do this, uh, podcast thing. And it was fairly cheap to start. Now, keep in mind. Five and a half years ago, I started the podcast and I started saying to people, oh, I have a podcast. And they would go, what's a podcast? Now I say I have a podcast and they're like, oh, you too. Like everybody's got one, right? Um, and, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy how much it's grown over the last five and a half mm-hmm. years. Um, but I saw there was a podcaster. I won't say his name because I got to know him and I don't like him as a human being. But there was a podcaster who uh, I, I watched his stuff and I was like, Twofold, it was twofold. Number one, I was like, wow, he's connecting with some incredible human beings. I would love to be able to connect with them. Um, number two, the, I was like, I could do this and I could do this better than him. And there, there wasn't an arrogance thing. You talked about going deep instead of wide, right? Like, I'm like, I can go deep. Um, uh, and so that was really the idea behind like, okay, cool. Like I can connect with great people and I can go deep, meaning I can get the answers that I need for money in my business. Cause that was the original idea. Um, and so, so yeah, that's why podcasting, um, uh, because I, I was like, I think I could, I think I could do that. <laughs> it was really, that was it, man. There wasn't much thought process behind it other than I think I could do that. Um, and so, uh, obviously about a year in, I got serious about it and that that's when it became more of a, a business. Um, but it was more of like, Hey, look, I, I feel comfortable with that. I mean, it got me out of my comfort zone a little bit, putting myself out there being like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Um, but there was still a comfort in like, I could sit down and and interview some people. Fun fact, a little asterisk to that. I, I, um, you know, we talk about like, get, be scared, but do it anyway. Like I get nervous before every single interview that I do that. I almost want to cancel it. Like when I'm interviewing somebody else, especially a bigger name. Um, I, I almost want to cancel it every time, but I show up still, uh, to this moment. So, so yeah, I did think, oh, I could do this, but there was still a slight hesitation of like, wait, hold on, hold on a second. Can I actually do this? Um, and so, so yeah, that's, but that's why podcasting, cause it seemed easy. It's not mm. easy. Mm. Mm. Would you, would you recommend people to start a podcast or what, what do you think? Uh, how would you describe the benefits of it? Oh, uh, dude, podcasting changed my life. I recommend everybody who has a message, anybody who has a desire, anybody who has a business that could, that could benefit from podcasting. Yeah. Do it. Like there, you can niche down into anything, dude. I I actually had a client who, um, has a podcast. I helped him launch it. Um, the goal was never to grow an audience. He probably has 30 people listen at every single episode, but he makes a hundred thousand dollars a year off of it. Cause he niched down into something super specific. Right. So like, it's a great tool for business, but it's also a great tool to connect. I mean, I have some of the coolest friends in the world because of my podcast. I have people that speak at my events um, who their keynote fees are $25,000, $30,000, and they do it for free because I've been able to build a relationship with them, right? Um, so it's a great tool. So yes, I highly recommend everybody does it. But again, there's always an asterisk. I believe everybody should do it, but they should do it right. Hmm. Most people do podcasting wrong um, because, first of all, I, I actually spoke at PodFest um, and I had the, I, had the, it, I feel honored that I had the biggest breakout of at PodFest. So the room was packed, standing room only. And I was speaking, and I literally, the first thing I said to hundreds of podcasters, I said, Podcasters are the most selfish people I've ever met. Literally, the first thing I said to a room full of podcasters. And, and, uh, and I was like, <laughs> Let me explain that podcasters think that, like, 
they're going to launch this show and everybody's going to listen, right? Like, oh, I'm so important. Like those people that are like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast with buddies and we're going to talk about beer or we're going to be funny or we're going to do this or whatever. But the reality is um, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort um, to promote correctly, to grow your audience, to do all those things. So I highly recommend um, every single person um, really do it the right way, whether it's hiring a coach, whether it's buying a course, um, any of those things. Uh, I actually have a course, um, which we can actually link up and, and we'll talk about that afterwards. We can link up in the show notes where they can click and get the course, um, which literally walks them through the entire process of how to, um, do it the right way. Um, not only from a launching standpoint, this is for people who are already podcasting, who aren't getting the results that they want. Um, you know, we talk about monetization, we talk about branding, we talk about all those things. And the reason I did that is because I, my one-on-one clients are all multiple seven figure influencers with stupid amounts of followers on social media and all that stuff. And so it gets a little pricey if you want to work one-on-one with me, but I, I wanted to create a course because I feel like people, um, have a, a very important message to be heard. You know, they're, they're based off of sheer statistics. There are 75,000 people in this world that need to hear your message specifically from you in order to help them, in order to push them, in order to help them get their goals, whatever. That's just based off of sheer the amount of people in the world. And so I wanted to be able to kind of give what I know and the knowledge that I've gained over the last five and a half years to have the success that I have. And, and I was like, let me pour it into a course, make it affordable, do whatever. And actually, as a matter of fact, I'm really big on people having a purpose when they do it. So it's called the Purpose Driven Masterclass, Purpose Driven Podcaster Masterclass. Um, and it's really about helping those individuals with a voice get heard a little bit more. It's so it's so awesome when people do find that niche, right? That they actually they do what they love and love what they do. Right. So it's, it's all goes hand in hand. And how common do you think that is? That people find the their niche, find their, yeah. Find their thing, find their why, find their, find the value of their passion. Unfortunately, it's not common enough. Hmm. It's not common enough. You know, there's too many people in this world just kind of floating through life, right? Clock in, clock out, get home, make dinner read a book, go to bed, clock in, clock out, do the things. And they're content. They pay the bills, they have the car, they have the house, but they're a lot of the time. I'm not saying, I'm not saying everybody, by the way, this is not there. This is not for everybody, but this is a majority, but they're not happy. They're not my favorite word. They're not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. They're not fulfilled with the life that they're leading. Um, and so unfortunately it's not common enough for people that haven't found, you know, for people who haven't found their purpose or their passion or their why, how, however you want to say it. Right. Um, and so therefore they float through life and they get to the end of their life and they look back and they go, I guess that was okay. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want that to be the statement I talk about at the end of my life is, oh, that was okay. Um, and so a lot of the times that fulfillment comes from making an impact, whether it be in one person's life, in your own life or, or a large group of people's lives. Um, a lot of times that's where that comes from. And for you, I mean, who, who's had a really sort of significant impact in your life, you know, whether it be mentors or friends or, or parents or whoever, is there certain people that stand out? Dude, there's, there's so many people, um, you know, I look at some of the people that I've connected with from the podcast from a more recent experience. So a, a fun story that, that comes from the podcast that I always like to tell, there's a guy named Fabio Viviani uh, from America's Top Chef. And 
by the way, I don't watch, I never watched reality TV. Um, now with it being so readily available on Netflix, I may have caught up on some of the reality TV. Um, but, but I never watched it before. And I went, I went to an event in Ohio, uh, where Fabio was one of the speakers. And I literally was like, who cares about a chef? Like, that's a, that's a weird speaker to have. Who cares? Um, and, uh, he spoke and I turned to my friend, I was so blown away. And I turned to my friend who was at the event with me and I go, I need to be friends with that guy. A year and a half later, Fabio came on the show. Uh, we've become fast friends. He keynoted my event in 2019. Um, and he supported me in so much of, of what I've done. Um, even if it's just being a, a kind human being when he doesn't have to be. Um, and so that's a kind of a cool, like he's made a massive impact in my life to understand that I should continue to dream bigger, continue to understand that I add massive value to a lot of people's lives, um, all that kind of stuff, you know? And then of course, along the way, I think I've been fortunate enough to find myself in the right place to have the mentor that I need to have at any given moment. Right. Like I have another dear friend, his name is Justin Cavanaugh or, or affectionately known as coach Cav. And he, co he coaches, um, you know, professional athletes, NFL players. So he had a couple Olympians in the Olympics, this last Olympics and stuff like that. Um, but he's become a dear friend of mine. Um, and he's that person that like, if I need a kick in the butt, I pick up the phone and he's kicking me in the butt. Right. So like coaches and inspiration comes from everywhere, but we have to be aware of it. Um, we have to be willing to receive the information, um, and, and this has been since probably about 19. I mean, I had a mentor at 19 who made a, a massive impact in my life. Nobody knows who he is. His name is Richard Teasdale, but he's the one who handed me my first self-help book and said, read this. And so, um, you know, every, along the way, there's always been mentors and inspirations in my life. Um, and I continue to be inspired, you know, as I grow, those mentors grow. Um, but that's how that works, right? That's how we, that's how we level up. We level up by making sure we're learning from, people at the next level uh, and surrounding ourselves, ourselves with people that are at the next level. My goal is always to be the dumbest person in the room. So that that's really my, my goal every single day, be the dumbest person in every room I'm in. I love that. That's really clever. Well, what was that first book? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, it's called, it's still one, the book I recommend. It's called who moved my cheese. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is essentially the, I think the reason he handed it to me because he knew my story um, and obviously this is before my mom passed away, but there was a lot of rough stuff going on. And, um, the book is about change and to understand that change happens, no matter what we do, change is going to happen around us. And we have no control over that, mm -hmm. but we have control over how we react to the change. Um, and that's what the book's about. And I think it's a, it's, it's a great read. It's an easy read. Uh, if you're not a big reader, I, I recommend you pick it up. It's easy to read. You'll read it in three, two to three sittings, if not one. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's a game changing book to kind of change your perspective of like reflect on how you react to change. And then how can you change the way you react to change? Mm. Oh, powerful. Powerful. I like that. Tell me what's, what's a bit of a guilty pleasure for you, Justin? Cigars. <laughs> you like how quick that answer was? Uh, <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big fan of cigars. So that's a guilty pleasure. What's, I understand what's not, your go-to? It's not great for my health. Uh, uh, Drew Estates, Jacob's Ladder. So it. that that's my go-to cigar. It's a little pricey. That's part of the reason why it's a guilty pleasure. Um, but, uh, but that is, that's my go-to the closest place I can get it at, at my house. though is about 30, it's about a 35 minute drive. So I don't always have them readily available unless I want to go make that drive. Mm -hmm. And leisure and pleasure. What does that look like for you? Um, I love live music. So obviously COVID's inhibited that a little bit, but, uh, love concerts. 
Um, love just spending time with uh, my girlfriend, Lauren, who uh, is also my best friend. And so just being able to, whatever she, just hanging out with her on the couch and, uh, you know, enjoying each other's company, uh, whether it be watching TV together, reading together, just talking uh, together. I think that is, that's my unwinding at the end of the day. Right. And so uh, I would say that um, again, live music feeds my soul. I love live music. Um, you know, and having, having a good, having a good brew with my buddies and just, uh, enjoying good, deep conversation with them, uh, whenever we can get together. Is your girlfriend into cigars? No, no, she, and now she's fine with me smoking them, but she does not smoke them. She complains <laughs> when the smoke goes in her face and I say, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> And you mentioned earlier, you know, that sort of getting the music on, getting the car and, and really getting into your space. What, what's your go-to in the music scene? Are you, well, what, what, what is your go-to? Tell me, what's your genre? Yeah, so my, my favorite artist uh, is, is Michael Buble, um, which is funny because I said I listen to music that, that pumps me up and his music doesn't necessarily do that. <laughs> um, but, he's, but he's my favorite artist. Uh, mm. And actually, we talk about COVID prohibiting it. I bought tickets back in December of 2019 for a concert of his that was in March of 2020. Um, which still hasn't happened. They just, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be actually in 10 days or 11 days from today, but they just pushed it now to October. Um, Cause I mean, here in America, the, the, uh, the numbers are going back up apparently. That's what they tell me, but the world seems normal where I live. Um, and so, you know, we, we hope that one day we can get back. It'll be my fourth or fifth Buble concert. Um, maybe I think it's my, it'll be my fifth, but I would say he's, he's my favorite, but I also love good pop Ed Sheeran uh, Justin Bieber, um, you know, but even the old schools, I, I listen to Sirius satellite radio nineties on nine all the time. So the throwbacks to the nineties of sugar Ray and, um, all, all that stuff and Dave Matthews band. And so I'm all over the place, but, but Buble is the go-to he's the number one. That's a real eclectic mix of stuff there. I like it. It is. And then I also listen to like Eminem and I listen to, yeah, all over the place. Andy Grammer is one of my favorites as well. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. So tell me, I mean, if you were to try and describe your fire in the belly in, in one or two words, what would they be? Massive impact. Strong. Strong. I like it. I like it. So tell me, where can people reach you, follow you, track you down, haunt you, stalk you? Any of the above? Yeah, man. The, the, if they want to stalk quickly, um, wherever they're listening to this, they can go search the Growth Now Movement. Um, that's my podcast. Uh, if they love it, I would love a subscribe and, and check it out. And, and like I, I always like to say, come along on this journey with me um, because that's what it really is. It's a journey. Um, and so that's one way. And then my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. Uh, my username there is at Justin T. Shank. You can find out how to spell my last name in the show notes. Um, uh, so at Justin T. Shank on Instagram. And look, if they're, if they're um, obviously travel within countries is, is, is getting tough, but if they can travel uh, or if they're close to me, I'm, I'm hosting my live event in May of 2022. Um, and they can go to growthnowsummit.com. Um, to uh, grab their tickets. Uh, actually, you know, some, just an incredible lineup of speakers. 
uh, coming together. It's a three-day rock concert for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers and, you know, people looking to level up in those four pillars of their life. And I'm bringing in some of the world, most world-renowned speakers. And actually he's not announced yet. So Pete, but by the time this comes out, it'll be announced, but you're going to get a little sneak peek. Um, the next speaker we're announcing is a guy named Nick Santanastasso, who uh, is one of the most inspirational human beings on the planet, born with uh, one arm. So no legs, one arm. Um, and he speaks all over the world. He's competed in bodybuilding competitions. He shares stages with Tony Robbins. Uh, he happens to be one of my good friends because of the pot. I was, I was the first podcast he ever did. Wow. Um, and so we've become fast friends and he's speaking as one of the keynotes and um, it's just an, it's an amazing time to come and connect and grow and learn. So that's growth. Now summit.com tickets on sale. Now we have about 70 tickets left and then we're going to be sold out. So um, you know, people can grab tickets. Wow. That's awesome. What an offer. Thank you. Is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, you know, I mean, thinking about everything that we, we spoke about today, um, whether it be dreams and aspirations or pain uh, and trauma, um, I think the one thing that we need to understand is you are exactly where you need to be in this very moment. And there's great power in the acceptance of that. There's great power in knowing that you're exactly where you are supposed to be. Uh, and if you feel like this moment is your rock bottom moment, make this the catalyst for greatness. Don't make, don't make this go any further. Uh, make it, make it the catalyst for greatness. Um, and so I'll, I'll leave people with that thought is to understand that um, you're exactly where you're supposed to be and you are enough exactly the way you are. Wow. Wow. Very strong. Justin, it's an absolute honor to have you on. Thank you. Listen, I'm wishing you all the best for the, for the growth summit. I have no, no doubt it will be, fantastic i love your energy love your passion love your story so thank you i appreciate you dude pete thank you so much man uh thank you so much for going deep and asking the tough questions not many not many podcasters do that uh and so thank you so much for having me it's an absolute honor thank you well that was another great episode of fire in the belly you know this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys and boy boy sometimes it is personal it's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons, and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.